Hey, welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today we've got an amazing guest, Vernon Gordon, with us today. Great. I wonder if you could say a little bit more, Vernon, just around that margin idea, you know, creating margin. How do you actually do that within your church setting, within your staff, your team? Like, because we understand the concept of creating margin, but how do you actually practically do it? What, what's it look like for you guys? Certainly. Well, and I, and I would even say this as well, which is, you know, really in alignment with the book that I just wrote, uh, Square One. Mm. And while that book specifically highlights the personal journey when we end back up in Square One seasons, um, I'm actually releasing in the fall a leadership edition because I think not only are we navigating our own personal square one seasons at times in life, but truly we are leading people who are constantly feeling like I took two steps forward, sometimes I take three steps back. And there are four sections in that book, but the first major section is talking about evaluating our commitments. I think this should be a biannual task, right? To say, okay, am I overcommitted? What are we committed to that is not fruitful right now? Uh, what are we just doing because it's the way we've always done it? And so I think part of the way you create margin is you you have an annual or biannual review of all of the commitments. And one of the ways we do this at a very practical level is I'll tell our team, put down a sheet of paper and just write down all of our values on one side or over across the top, rather, and then all of your commitments. And do they fall under the value systems that we have? Mm-hmm. And are we missing it? Are we just doing some things just because it's, you know, you know what it was in a season? So that that helps a lot. Because then what the temptation is, is you remove something and you say, okay, now we can do this new thing. And it's like, no, we remove, and now we have margin to try to stretch, to, uh, to recruit, to develop, uh, to experiment, and all of those things. Uh, another key thing I think that is important about margin is I think we have to take inventory and audit of our rhythm of life. And this mm-hmm. is something that I, I really encourage a lot of leaders to think about is uh, you know, you know, when you look at your time, uh, how much of it is going to things that I, I mean, you guys might have heard of the, the 80 20 rule, right? How much of my time is going to the most important things? And I think often what can happen is, I mean, we're looking at people and they're watching uh, uh, Netflix from from 10 at night to, to three in the morning. And we're like, hey, that's a lot of time that you could be sleeping, that you could be resting. But but it also becomes time that we can better steward. Uh, to create margin for the things that we feel like are meaningful in the season. And the last thing I think that is vitally important with any margin effort is delegation. Uh, you got to get good at delegation. Uh, and I just, you know, give credit to credit where it's due. Uh, I really learned this principle from a podcast by Andy Stanley years ago. But he talked about the four levels of delegation. Uh, and just I'll zoom through them really quickly. Uh, but level one delegation is research base, right? And, and one of the things I love about this idea is delegation is not just how do I get things off my plate? It's also how do I assess what I can let someone own? Um, and, you know, the temptation in delegation and the danger of delegation in leadership, I think particularly in the church, we're kind of all or nothing. We kind of say either we're like, hey, I'm not, I'll do everything. Or we say, I'm going to give you everything. <laughs> and, uh, and I think what Four levels of delegation does is gives us a process to create margin. So level one is research-based. It looks like saying, hey, I got a great team member. I got somebody who I think would be a great ally to own some more responsibility. But instead of just giving them all of it, I need to see a little more. So, hey, 
I want you to bring me back some information, some data. Maybe we're doing an event. Maybe we're uh, um, doing an initiative. Hey, I, in a couple of weeks on this date, can you bring me back some quotes? Can you bring me back some information? And uh, and if they can meet the deadline, if they can do that well, you're like, okay, that, that level one went great. Level two delegation is uh, informed progress. It's where we're still uh, checking the box on, you know, you can't move forward on this without me, but you're kind of taking a little bit more responsibility. And before you kind of send out the email, before you kind of send out the messages, before you, you know, uh, uh, lock in the contract, uh, I want to be informed on your progress. Let me see where you're at. Let's meet weekly. But you're kind of taking more of the responsibility. The third level of delegation is informed results. This is when somebody has been walking with you for a little bit and you just kind of say, hey, I want you now to give me results on how that meeting went. I don't need to be there. What does that mean? Margin, right? Because we've been walking mm -hmm. together. So now the meeting that I would have had to leave, I don't have to leave, but I do want to hear how the meeting went. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. You know, this event is a little bit smaller. It's not going to sink the ship of the whole organization. How about you lead it? I'm going to go out with my kids or I'm going to meet with another team and work on some innovation or some or some uh, new projects. But I do want to hear about the results and how that worked. And then fourth level, fourth level, fourth level of delegation is ownership. This is when you've been walking with somebody. Maybe it's been a few months. Maybe it's been six months, depending on the scale. But you're like, hey, I've seen them do well at all the levels. And now they just kind of got it. And we meet once a quarter to determine um, how are you doing? How can I continue to support you? Because I trust your leadership. So I think that's a very practical way Ooh, to use definitely. delegation as a tool to curate margin. Hopefully that was you know, helpful. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome. Lots of stuff in there and practical stuff that people can take away and use. Just, just thinking about your book then, it's your first book, so a big shout out to you. Well done on that. I know you were saying yeah, yeah. when we chatted offline, uh, you released it at the beginning of this year, I think. So uh, yeah, anything yeah. else Anything else in the book that you want to just maybe mention? Maybe there's some leaders who are listening and they're thinking, I want to get that book. Um, yeah. What's the big why in there besides the margin idea? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, the big why is square one seasons show up in all of our lives, no matter our economic status, no matter our generation, no matter our gender, gender, we all end up in a point where we take two steps forward and sometimes feel like, man, I'm, I'm back where I started or I'm mm -hmm. certainly not where I thought I would be. When those moments happen, they're not seasons to just wait for the future. You can still shape your future. Love and it. I offer in the book, there are four specific areas or things to approach what we call in the book returning to your core, and core is an acronym for this, evaluating your commitments. Commitments are all about your energy. Where is your energy going, right? Mm -hmm. Talked about that just a moment ago. The second one is owning your outlook, right? That is very easy in seasons where things didn't work out ideal, whether it's been in a leadership initiative, corporate leadership, personal life, um, to just kind of start to inherit the ideas of others and not to own your outlook. Uh, the third one is uh, to build your resilience. I believe that mm. resilience, you know, it's often said it's either you have it or you don't. I actually believe that resilience is something that can be cultivated uh, in every person and in every leader uh, mm. when properly stewarded. And so I think we actually, I think that's one of my favorite sections because I think all leaders of leaders need to be working on cultivating resilience in mm. today's next generation leader. And then the fourth area of the book is managing emotions. Look, we all have them. Uh, and so the question is not, are you going to have emotions? The question is, are your emotions going to manage you or are you going to manage them? And so those four sections of the book just kind of give us a roadmap. Again, talked about it at a personal level in January and then in the fall. I'm really excited 
releasing a leadership edition because we're all leading people through the That's development right. of these as well. And, uh, and I think it's going to be really exciting. The book is on Amazon. Uh, you can grab it there and uh, and certainly would, would love your support as, as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the show notes as well and put the link in there. People can grab that. Yeah, great. <laughs> I love that. I love the sound of it. So um, obviously you mentioned um, that you've got the leadership kind of edition coming out in the fall, but um, what, what else are you excited about at the moment, Vernon? Well, my, my kids are learning how to swim as we speak. So I'm really excited about that <laughs> because my wife cannot swim. And uh, that means every time we're at a water thing, anything, uh, I can never just sit down and relax. So, uh, <laughs> Just thought I'd put that out there personally. Yeah, put it out but, there. Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I'm also excited uh, about just this season in the life of the church and the kingdom. Um, one of the things I think that the pandemic, the global pandemic has done is it's given a lot of leaders permission to try. And mm -hmm. I just would encourage every leader, uh, you know, <laughs> If there was ever the, and certainly I don't, um, I don't want to diminish the circumstances that preceded this season, and mm -hmm. I'm not downgrading uh, the impact that this has had on people's lives. We have lost people in our church and in our family as a result of the global pandemic. But one of the things I think as an organizational leader that I want every leader to know is that people are more open, I believe, than ever for us to try something new. And so this is a season to be leveraged. Uh, and I, I like to say it like this, if I'm being completely honest uh, to our staff, I say, blame the pandemic. Like we're trying this and this is what we learned in the pandemic. We, we want to take all this stuff we learned and all this, these, these new technology we got and all these ways in which we approach things. Let's not lose all of that. It's because we can get back to some return to normalcy. So I'm excited about that, uh, per, the permission to innovate uh, for all of us. And I would say lastly, I'm just really excited about uh, uh, the book, but also I, I think this is Dave and Nathan. I don't think I told you guys this, but uh, actually in the fall, uh, I'll be over in the UK doing wow. um, a, a, a book tour, be able to speak, wow. do some leadership conferences. Um, I'm preaching at a couple of churches. I'll be there for about 12 days. So mm. I think it would be a tragedy if we don't connect. Um, I think you're right. And maybe we can... Um, Mm -hmm. certainly make something happen while while I'm on that side of the pond. And, and I'm really excited about that time as well and, and how God is using this work to help leaders and people uh, shape a future no matter what season they're in. Awesome. Well, you will be more than welcome to the UK. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be an exciting trip for you. Hey, Vernon, you've said some of the things you're, you're excited about. What's, what's uh, the stuff that's challenging you at the moment? What are you challenged about? Yeah, you know, change fatigue, right? Mm. Uh, it's been the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, anytime you love innovation, you also have to be extremely uh, uh, humble enough to listen mm -hmm. to your team and to uh, those you lead when they say, hey, I can't handle any more change right now. Mm -hmm. um, there's an author named Todd Bolsinger who writes a quote, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he says, uh, healthy change is about in leadership is about disappointing people at a rate that they can absorb. Mm. <laughs> and so I think that Good. one of the things that I am challenged with is that uh, if I'm being completely honest, is that I've probably tried so many things over the last couple of years 
that I'm needing to say, hey, we're not going to try anything else <laughs> for the next, <laughs> for the rest of the year. Oh, and space. so I would encourage any innovators out there, uh, pace yourself, right? And that's mm. something I'm challenged with is change fatigue. Uh, I would also say um, just challenge with the the idea, and, and we talked about the nonprofit as well. Um, you know, I grew up in an extremely diverse background. Uh, so I talked about my cancer story, but another extremely formative part of my childhood journey was that uh, I had an extremely diverse family. Mm-hmm. And my mother, um, uh, you know, didn't meet her real father till she was about 18 years old. Wow. And so my, my grandfather, who was a white man from Nashville, Tennessee, married my black grandmother the first year that interracial marriage was actually legal in the whole state of Virginia. Uh, they were really courageous. And uh, my mom had three siblings and then her two youngest siblings, my grandmother and grandfather had together. So they're biracial. One of my uncles married a woman from Sierra Leone, West Africa. Another one married a woman from Puerto Rico. So we like to say uh, our holidays were always confusing when it came to food because we had all the cuisines. Uh, but one of the things that I really would say that, that I'm challenged with, and I would even maybe use the word a burden mm-hmm. at a heart level, is just ensuring that we continue to keep the conversation around cultural unity and kingdom unity at the forefront. Um, I just don't want us to lose heart of that, that God has created us to be one kingdom. And yeah. uh, and so the Mosaic Project has been an, an intentional attempt to curate okay. those environments um, so that we don't lose sight of a kingdom, uh, you know, a kingdom divided is a kingdom, you know, against itself, mm-hmm. uh, can't stand against um, the, the real enemy. And so, uh, so certainly that is something that I'm just constantly challenged with. And, um, but also, you know, it, it, you know, prayerfully seeing can God continue to lead us forward as the body of Christ all around the world. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That, that sense of all nations working together. You know, that's, yeah. that's a, it's a, it's a very, very big thing, very biblical thing. And, uh, you know, it's something we really are passionate about as well. You know, just thinking of that idea, all nations, all, all welcome. And that's the great thing behind it, really. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I love that project. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Oh, really great. One of the questions we love to ask towards the end of our conversation, Vernon, is uh, who's been the greatest inspiration to you and why? Apart from Man, Jesus, I'll... by the way. Apart from Jesus. <laughs> you're not allowed to say Jesus. We get that one. <laughs> Took it. Um, <laughs> let, let me see. You know, that... That's really tough, and and I'm certain that I, I don't know if others do this, but I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to give you a, a descriptor <laughs> of of a, of a body of people. Uh, my parents certainly have had an impact, but I would say my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, when I say my grandparents, I say all of them. I just spoke about the courage of one set of my grandparents, wow. but on the other side, I had a, another grandfather who uh, had just a, a storied legacy. Um, in leadership in the community and just was one of those people who uh, I'm a third, I'm his namesake and his impact on community uh, really helped me to process this idea that the gospel is not only seen on Sundays, Mm -hmm. um, uh, but even the more it's seen Monday through Saturday, that more people were encouraged and brought hope from his presence on a Thursday and then a Friday and they were on his work on a Sunday. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say those persons have deeply formed and framed, um, you know, my grandparents have deeply formed and framed my courage um, and uh, and to innovate uh, as well as just my heart for people beyond the four walls of the building. 
Um, they did such a phenomenal job, and I stand on their shoulders uh, and hopefully honor their legacy as well, is, is the hope. Amazing. Great answer that, eh? Fantastic. Um, mm. It's just uh, great to hear your story, great to hear you sharing, and, and sounds like you're just doing an amazing job with the team across mm. there. We always have this bonus question right at the end, so we'll, we'll put it in, we'll ask you, and who knows what will happen. So the bonus question is this. Mm-hmm. What is the one question no one is asking you that you wish they would, and what is your answer to that question? Man, what that's, is the one question I wish? That's why it's a bonus one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I wish people were asking a question about uh, – here's, here's how I want to phrase it. I had to Go think about it. how I wanted to say it. Mm. I wish people were asking the question about where the church is headed, mm. not where it was. Mm. I think that when we look at the Old Testament, the example that most comes to mind for me is when the people of Israel are traveling through this wilderness season, it said that the cloud, which represented the presence of God, was settled in the front of the tent. And then whenever it would lift and, tra- and, and, and transition, they would break camp and they would go to where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then whenever it settled, they would set up camp and they would stay for as long as it settled. And I think it is very representative of the time we're living in today in that um, I wish more of us were asking, where is the church headed? Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. had this famous quote as a hockey player. Some of you may have heard it before. And he talks about what made him a great hockey player was he never skated to where the puck was. He skated to where the puck was going. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the cloud is moving. I think God is moving. I think that, uh, you know, the work of God is not just in the past, but it's in the future. And I think the same way Jesus came and innovated the way we could disciple others, I think we need to really be asking the question, what does next generation discipleship look like? Not just what worked for us and what worked for those who preceded us. So uh, my, my solution to that is uh, asking that question by, again, I, two things I would always say, curate conversations that invite unknown voices to the room or unfamiliar voices to the room. Um, I, we just did a series of focus groups in our own congregation, and we intentionally invited people who've only been at our church one year, people who have been at our church for five years or more, and people who have been at our church since the beginning. And the heart for that was they all have a different vantage point. Um, and some of their voices were brand new. And so we said, curate conversations that invite those unfamiliar voices to the table. You never know what you're going to learn, and don't be afraid to be challenged in that way. And then the second thing I would say to that question of like what I wish people were asking about the future generation is um, let's be very mindful to not make church of the next gen- The next generation needs to be a part of the church of now mm-hmm. because they are engaging with the world at a pace and at a rate that far exceeded previous generations. And what used to be you could connect with them at 18, you now better connect with them at 18. Um, and so we got to find ways to integrate the next generation into the fabric of our church, church's mission, um, and not just as an accessory to our church's mission. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so those would be the two things I would say uh, to that question right now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, really great. Really great. Well, Vernon, we want to thank you so much for being part of the uh, Church Explained podcast today. 
and uh, it's been so good to chat with you Vernon around church but also around innovation and I, I know leaders listening to this will have so much to take away so a big thank you Vernon for being with us today and want to thank all of our listeners today and remember if you want to uh, support what we do then share subscribe leave a review however you're consuming this content then please do that also share it with someone that you may know uh, that this conversation would benefit them and don't forget we've got all of our free resources at icon.church forward slash open and you can get signed up for exclusive uh, free content uh, content and get access to that so we look forward to seeing you next you soon